Again, welcome to our Precious Marriage to Study. Hey, also just kind of reminding you guys, uh, I know that uh, Greg Laurie is going to be doing his Harvest Crusade Sunday night at Anaheim Stadium. If you have never uh, been out there and gone to a Harvest Crusade, highly encourage you guys, uh, if you've never done that, to go out and to... Uh, participate. It's a lot of fun. Even when we used to live in Washington, we were pastoring up there. We would come down with kids to go to Mexico or go to youth camp. We would always try to coincide it with the Harvest Crusade and go catch the Harvest Crusade. And, and it was uh, just uh, just a lot of fun. It was a real blessing. So encourage you guys, if you've, uh, again, never done that, do that. Uh, date night. <laughs> there. So, yeah, double date night. Uh, Anyways, we are going through our Precious Marriage 2 series um, that kind of felt like the Lord kind of put in my heart. And as I'm going through this and preparing, I kind of see maybe why he's still trying to teach and instruct me in in some things as I would yield over uh, to him. But um, if you have your Bibles, again, 1 Peter chapter 1, we kind of did this on the potluck, potluck night, kind of went over some of these things we're going to talk about, but then we're actually going to get into kind of our first of, it's an eight-part series, and uh, interesting, but Peter assumes, what we're looking at tonight, he assumes that this is where we are at, and so as we go through this, you'll kind of see that, but uh, again, Father, we thank you uh, for this time. Thank you for your word, Lord, that speaks and ministers to our heart. Lord, by your spirit, give us ears to hear what you want to say to us tonight as we look to you. And we do thank you and we praise you for your goodness and your grace. For each one of us as couples, Lord, again, you know where we are at, even right now, even today. Lord, you know the things that are going on within our own hearts. You know the struggles. You know the the joys. Lord, you know all of those things. And yet as we come and spend some time Uh, in your presence, Lord. Um, We give you this time. So please take your word, use it to speak and minister. Cause us to have a faith that is looking to you, that is based upon you, that is surrendered uh, to you. Um, So um, be with us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, again, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those, that's to those who Peter is going to assume is each one of us, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. Verse 3 is a, we could do a Bible study just on this verse, but listen as, as we read this, as you read this, Again, this is God speaking to our hearts. As his divine power has given to us all, and that word all is all, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us 
by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, again, exceedingly great precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. And those are the verses we're going to be actually looking at over the next eight weeks. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, this is why we're looking at these verses. This is why we want to study these things, that we would not be barren nor unfruitful. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, over and over and over again, talking about Jesus Christ being our God, Jesus Christ being our Lord, Jesus Christ being our Savior, and I love that. I love that. And again, listen, as we spoke last week and talked about at the potluck, again, that, that Peter is writing these things to those who have obtained like precious faith, in a sense that we have acknowledged what God says about us is true. Actually, if you were here on Sunday, Pastor Jeff did a, a phenomenal job over and over again sharing the gospel on Sunday morning. It was very, I was very encouraged by that. It was wonderful. Uh, but again, this is that those who have confessed Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, that, that, that God sent his son to come to, to dwell among us, that he hung on the cross, that he shed his blood for our sin, and then was raised again, then he died, raised again the third day, ascended to heaven, and as pastor spoke on Sunday, is interceding for you and for me. He's praying for us. And again, this is that like precious faith that we believe that that is what God has done with us. And because of that like precious faith, he has given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Again, the whole precious marriage thing is really coming out here. Precious faith, precious promises. Again, as I shared last week about that promise, I remember that I first got when I was saved that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, will complete it. And that's a work that God does in each one of our hearts and lives who profess him. Uh, so the precious faith equals the precious promises. And he gives us those precious promises that we would be partakers of the divine nature. We would be turned more and more into Jesus Christ, more and more into what he wants to do uh, in and through our hearts and lives. We would look more and more like him. And again, as I said last week, I don't know about you. I know my wife prays that prayer each and every day, that her husband would be more and more like Jesus. And I know for me, I pray that prayer for my wife as well, that, that she would be more and more like Jesus. And th this is the reason that Peter did it. Listen, I'm, I'm going to be sharing this almost every week. I want us to be able to say when anyone says, hey, have you ever read First Peter? And you could say, yeah, you know why he wrote it? He wrote it to those who have precious faith, that we would believe his precious promises, that we could be partakers of the divine nature and, and escape this world 
of sin and corruption. That's why he did. And yet verse 5 starts off with, for this very reason. What reason? Because God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, as well as he's given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So because of life, because of godliness, because of the precious promises, again, we escape the corruption that's in the world. And then Peter goes on to say, giving all diligence. And this word diligence, it means speed or eagerness or to apply ourselves as to a thing to be accomplished. And again, another thing that we're hoping and praying, I know for me, I'm hoping and praying that I would apply myself to these things that God wants to accomplish within our lives because God has given uh, all things that pertain to life and godliness. We need to apply ourselves. I don't know about you, but that is a phrase, hey, Pat, apply yourself, that I heard growing up a lot, and I never looked at that phrase as something I actually enjoyed, you know, because it was, it was almost like, hey, Pat, you need to apply yourself. It's kind of like, get off your blank and go do something. Make something of yourself. And, and yet that often was ringing in my ear. So when someone said, apply yourself, it was kind of like I, had a, I took it as a negative type thing. But listen, when I hear the Holy Spirit, when I hear the Spirit of God, Look at me and say, hey, Pat, I want you to apply yourself. Uh, when I hear Peter say, Pat, give all diligence. Apply yourself. I look at it as something that's not bad, but something that's good. That his spirit would say, hey, Pat, apply yourself. Uh, just like David said there in Psalms 27, when you said, Lord, seek my face, my heart said unto you, your face will I seek. Apply yourself, Pat. Apply yourself to your marriage. And again, husband, love your wife, just as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her. Husband, love your wife. Don't be bitter towards him. Husband, dwell with your wife with understanding. Honor her as a weak vessel. All of these are things the Lord is asking us to apply ourselves towards. And again, it's because he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then we have our part that we do. We are called to apply ourselves. So the Lord can accomplish what he wants to within our lives. Giving all diligence. And then he says that word, add. Add to your faith. But that word add, as we spoke about last week, it's really the picture of a conductor who's conducting a symphony. And he tries to get everybody in tune. And he teaches them the part they play so they can play incredibly beautiful music. This also speaks of one who provides for or supports others or supplies something for them in abundance. It's kind of like the chorus leader doing the same thing, trying to get everyone to sing the same song, sing in key, sing in tune. Today's world, it would be kind of like the cheerleader kind of getting us to, to kind of, um, you know, be involved and, and, and active in what's going on. Sometimes, you know, I actually feel like I'm a marriage ministry cheerleader. I, I do my best to try to get people to actually engage in their marriage, that, that they would be more concerned about the things that are going on. And I really try to encourage them to, to, to apply themselves in that way. Uh, unfortunately, what I have found is sometimes, like when I was pastoring up in the state of Washington, I worked with a lot of drug and alcohol 
um, you know, rehabilitation with people and stuff. But oftentimes, I wanted them to be fixed more than they wanted them to be fixed. And what I have found sometimes in marriage, I, <laughs> I oftentimes want their marriage to be fixed more than they actually kind of want the marriage to be fixed. And like the people used to always say that worked at the rehab, Pat, if you want it more than they do, it's just never going to work. But our, our prayer and desire that each one of us would desire that our marriage would be better and better, that we would experience this precious marriage so that we would add or we would do our part. But again, tonight, as we start our precious marriage too, the first word we're going to be looking at because he says, add to your faith, add to your faith. And again, then Peter's going to let us know this whole list of things that he's hoping that we would add to, but he's really assuming that faith is already happened within our hearts and lives. And for the most part, I believe, I'm assuming that each and every one of us is here, um, that we have experienced this precious faith. Faith, what is it? Hebrews tells us it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And yet the faith here that he's speaking of is really reliance upon Christ for salvation. The confessing with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, believing in our heart that God has raised him from the dead and we will be saved. This points, this faith points to our salvation, being washed and cleansed from our sin. And this is a starting point for all who are in Christ Jesus. And again, if you were at church yesterday, Pastor Jeff shared throughout the message, the gospel, the, the gospel message that we're sinners in need of a savior. That's why God sent his son to come and to die on the cross, shed his blood. Sinful man, sinful woman might be brought back into a right relationship with the Father. Is our reliance upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Because again, that's where it needs to start. But that's only the starting point. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. Listen, and I know that I share this a lot, but unfortunately, I think most people settle here and never move beyond. It's just a start. Hey, I got saved, and that's it, and that's the extent of where I'm going. But, but, but I also look just like the children of Israel. When they entered in, you know, when they, when they crossed the Red Sea, God wanted them to enter into the promised land. The Red Sea was kind of like their salvation. The enemy got wiped out. He got destroyed. In a sense, they were saved. But yet, they didn't want to go into the promised land. And so they end up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And what happens in the wilderness? Murmuring, complaining, you know, waiting just to die. Listen, I know a lot of marriages that don't enter into what God wants. And they end up in what I call the the wilderness marriage, where, where there's just murmuring and complaining, and they're actually just waiting for the marriage to die. And that is not where God would desire any of us. It's not where God wants our marriage to be. He wants it to be um, the abundant marriage, the abundant life marriage he wants. So let's not settle for a wilderness marriage when God is offering so much so, so much more. So we're going to start with faith, and we'll let the ladies go first. Okay, so I was just thinking as we're beginning this next session of Precious Marriage 2, And Peter is continuing to instruct us as believers. And um, if we were to study the entire book of 2 Peter, um, we would see that 
Actually, it becomes Peter is really warning the church about coming apostasy and false doctrine that is going to try and infiltrate the church. And I just thought, you know, for us ladies, as we look around at the world and all of the commotion and all the chaos, all the political and media and um, society opinions that are out there, it's confusing and it's almost a little scary, almost like what Peter is talking about. But we don't need to fear because God is faithful. He's still on the throne. And in the meantime, Peter is going to share some advice with us of how to protect ourselves against the chaos and the commotion that the world is trying to throw at us. In 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18, we're not going to study that, but it's just a great verse where Peter kind of finishes off this book. He says this, You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. I love this because Peter basically is summarizing for us, we need to know Jesus and we need to know his word. That is the key to overcoming anything false. You don't know what the truth is about COVID or about politics or this or that. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the one that will keep us secure. In chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, Peter is going to encourage us over these next eight weeks and challenge us how to live godly lives. And for us ladies as well, how to be godly wives as well. We're going to focus on seven uh, other character qualities that we need in our lives if we want to stand fast in this world and if we want to grow in the Lord. Verse 1, as Pat read for us, it says, To those who have obtained like precious faith with us. Again, as Pat pointed out, it's to those who have obtained. So if you're not a believer tonight, first and foremost, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you can experience all the blessings and the promises so that you can stand fast. But for the rest of us who have made that first step, we need to um, uh, continue on in our faith this foundation that Jesus has built for us. We share this same free gift of redemption from the Father, and our faith in Jesus is the foundation for standing strong through life, through our marriages, and through difficulties that we might face. Um, I also love the message on Sunday. Pastor Jeff said one thing that really jumped out to me, and I thought it fit in well. He said, Jesus should not be an additive to our lives. And I just, I love that comment when he said that because if my faith is in Jesus, then Jesus needs to be the cornerstone. He needs to be the rock upon which I build everything else. It's not just an additive, oh yeah, I need a little Jesus today. Oh, we need a little Jesus to fix our, our little disagreement here. Jesus should be the, the, the cornerstone, the foundation upon which we build. Our relationship with him must be the starting point. It must be that firm foundation. I loved tonight that we sang that song, I will build my life upon your love. That is where we start. The love of Jesus is what changed us. That is where we need to build. That will assure us that our house is going to be built to stand. You know, if you, um, for the guys that build, not as much the ladies, but if the foundation is wrong, everything else is going to be out of whack a little bit, and there's going to be problem after problem after problem because it didn't start out right. I was thinking of a story... Um, uh, 
back when we lived in Washington, as Pat pointed out, one time Pat was fishing with our daughter, Kelly, and they were out on a boat. And um, salmon fishing on your little license, I think you have a limit of how many you're allowed to catch for a day. Well, it was a really great day. There was fish everywhere. So Pat calls me up because he and Kelly had reached their limit. And he says, hey, you take James, go down to the store, get your licenses, and come and meet me down here. So that's Pat. So I was a little like, okay, really? And where he was was about a half hour away. So I grab my son, we go to the store, we get our fishing license, and we drive down about a half hour away to this beach. I really didn't have any desire to go out fishing, but this is, Pat was so excited, so we had to do it. So, okay, so Pat gets James and I in the boat. I think Kelly had to dump off the boat because she already reached her limit. And so he drives back out to this spot where these salmon are jumping everywhere. So, you know, he's so excited. So I'm kind of got this little attitude like, oh, okay, yeah, right. But um, he says, uh, oh gosh, we got to stay right here. Look at the fish are everywhere. He goes, grab the anchor and throw it out, you know, because rather than drift and get away from where all these fish are, we're going to stay right here. So I'm trying to be a good sport here, you know, first mate, I'm going to do, change my attitude a little bit, hit. So I'm searching in the boat, I find the anchor, it's under the seat, so I lift it up and toss it over. So the chain begins to quickly go, 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 and all of a sudden as I'm watching the chain go, I see the end of the chain and the very last link go up and over the boat. <laughs> into the water. So I learned a very important lesson that day. It wasn't attached. And again, you know, for us, if our anchor is not attached to Jesus, our chain is just going to go right over the boat and we are going to be attached to nothing. Or worse, we're going to be drifting and driven by wherever the current will take us. And that is so true with our faith. We need to be careful where and what our anchor is attached to, our faith is anchored to. A boat that's not secured by an anchor is going to be tossed and moved by the waves, by the current, by the changing tides. So too, ladies, for us as wives, if our faith is not first and foremost secured in Jesus and him alone, not in our marriage, not that our husband's going to be always the, uh, you know, the knight in shining armor, our faith needs to be first and foremost Amen. anchored in Jesus. Otherwise, I'm going to be moved, I'm going to drift, I'm going to be tossed by the waves of the enemy, by the current of this world, or by the changing tides of even my flesh. We need to be anchored in Jesus. George MacDonald said this, Faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of God. Not the trustworthiness of our spouse or the world or the politics or the family. It's the trustworthiness of the Lord. It's the conviction that what God says is true and that what he promises will come to pass. You know, um, we, there's that old hymn, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And sometimes I think in marriages, you know, we've watched too many Hallmark movies or something, and we put our faith in our marriage. We, we put all of our faith that, oh, this is going to make me so happy. And the reality is we're two sinners living together. It's not always going to be happy. It's not always going to be perfect. And if all of my faith is in my spouse, I'm going to be disappointed. If all of his faith is in me, he's going to be disappointed. Our faith needs to be in Christ, the solid rock. Matthew 7 says this, verses 24 and 25, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man or a wise woman 
who builds their house on the rock. And the rain descends, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That is so true for me and for you. Life often is going to include storms. Sorry to say, even our marriages are going to face storms. It's often said that we're either um, in a storm, just came out of a storm, or there's a storm brewing on the horizon. And so we need to be aware. We need to be alert to those things. Anyone that's been married more than a day can attest to this. There will be storms. That's why our relationship with Jesus must be rock solid. It must be growing. It must be thriving. He is how we survive the trials and issues of life. And we need our marriages to be built upon him. In Matthew, we read about a woman who had a medical issue. Matthew 9, 21 and 22. It says that she said to herself, if I may only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. She brought her problem to Jesus. She trusted that a touch from him could heal. How often do I complain, get an attitude about my spouse, expect miracles from him, when instead I should be going to Jesus and trusting him to touch me as only he can? J. Vernon McGee said this, Peter seeks to anchor their faith on the scriptures as their only defense against the coming storm. The promises of God's word is where I need to anchor my faith. Not in my husband, not in that we're going to have this perfect marriage, but in Jesus. As Pat read from verse 4, back in first Peter, or Second Peter, it said, By which we have been given to us these exceeding great and precious promises, through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. As I get to know Jesus better by being in his word, by living it out and obeying it, then I become more like him. I become less polluted by this world, and in the process, my faith is going to grow. As husband and wife, sadly at times, our promises are empty. We don't deliver on the promises that we made to one another, we let each other down. But God's promises are always true and amen. He is always able to do all that he has promised. Not one word will fail that of which he has spoken. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Ladies, this guy that you're married to is awesome. He's wonderful. But I have to tell you something. He can't fix everything. He can't fix us. Sometimes we put expectations on our husbands that God never meant for them to carry. Only Jesus can perfect and complete my faith. I need to be looking to Jesus. That's why it says in verse 5, For this very reason, giving to all diligence, add to your faith. For this very reason, in view of all of this, since we have um, everything we need to be godly, that's what it told us, we've been given hundreds of promises We've escaped the corruption of this world when Jesus redeemed us. For all of these reasons, seeing how wonderful God has been to us, Peter tells us to give all diligence. Another version said, don't lose a minute. Make every effort. Do your utmost to add to, to supplement, to exercise your faith. So this is our little spiritual workout, if you would. And it's a free workout. You don't have to join the gym. And it has eternal benefits. We need to add to our faith. 
Faith is a persuasion or a conviction of the trustworthiness of God, especially relying on Christ for, alone for salvation. Many of the commentaries um, explain this as saving faith, not just saved faith, but saving. It has an ing on the end. I like that because it reminds me that it's something that's still occurring in us. Every day we have the opportunity to become more like Jesus. Yes, we're fully saved and we're fully redeemed, but we are also daily being transformed into his image if we will allow his spirit to work in us. I am a work in progress. But then, think about this, wives, that also means so is my spouse. He is a work in progress as well. And the, the conviction for me with that thought is, do I allow my husband the same grace and mercy that I want Jesus to show to me while that process is being completed? As if we're both works in progress and our faith is being worked out, I need to extend the same grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope to Pat that I want Jesus to extend to me. Faith is required as God's sanctification occurs in our lives. We need to believe that Jesus will complete what he has begun with us, Philippians 1.6, as Pat already mentioned. We also need to believe that all of those precious promises are true and are able to help me in my daily life, in the seasons of our marriages, and maybe even in those very difficult moments that we face. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it's often called the Hall of Faith. So if, if you want something to read this week to build up your faith, just read Hebrews 11. But you know, ladies, there's actually two ladies mentioned in the Hall of Faith. And the first one that we're going to look at, it just really briefly, is Sarah in verse 11. It says that Sarah waited for an heir that God had promised to her. And, but she received strength to conceive and bear a child when she was way past the age. And listen to what it says in verse 11. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. You know, sisters, life, our marriages, our families are not always going to go the way we had planned. But if we choose to believe God, judging him faithful, trusting him that his plans and his purposes in our life are going to be accomplished and they're good and they're the best, we can be like Sarah as she, in, you know, as she's mentioned in the Hall of Faith. Another lady that's mentioned in the Hall of Faith is Rahab. And listen to this. This is how it identifies her. Rahab the harlot. Now, how would you like your, you know, on your tombstone to be, you know, your name and then one of your major sins that you committed in your life? But that's how it's listed. But listen to what it says about her. She did not perish with those who did not believe. So think about that. Here, she's a sinner, and her sin is broadcast because that's how she's identified. But when Jericho was destroyed, Rahab the harlot, she wasn't the super saint, she was the harlot, but she was not destroyed. She simply chose to believe God, the God of Israel, that she maybe didn't even know yet, but she had heard about him. In spite of her failures in life, the chaos and the looming destruction that was all around her, Rahab turned to the Lord. She believed and trusted in him. I thought that was an awesome lesson for us as women and as wives. What about us? Is our life full of chaos, uncertainty, fears? Maybe things aren't going the way that we wish they were. Maybe like Rahab right now, we're struggling with issues in our own heart and in our own life. And we're not feeling very saintly or very strong in our faith in Jesus. Then, like Rahab, we just need to do what she did. 
We need to put our faith in Jesus. We need to watch him break down the strongholds and those walls in our lives. Listen to what 1 John 5, 4 tells us. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So maybe tonight you might feel, yeah, but my faith is so small. It's, it really is just the size of a mustard seed. It doesn't matter. If you're born of God, you can overcome the the world simply by believing in Jesus and let your faith be the overcomer. We can be overcomers by putting our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. We can allow him to help us overcome in our marriage. Maybe you're having a rough patch right now. Jesus can overcome and we start by putting our faith in Jesus and in him alone and following where he leads us. Amen. Amen. And guys, for us, again, Hebrews tells us that um, without, um, uh, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, as well as that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Romans 10 says, so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It's allowing God's word to speak and to minister uh, to our hearts. Um, Pastor was, we were talking yesterday morning uh, before service, and we were just kind of sharing uh, with each other, and he was sharing with me that when, it, when the Bible says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening in the garden, that, that word garden literally, uh, it, it's actually the, the word uh, of God. It's like walking in the word of God. And he was kind of sharing with me, that's, that's kind of what we need to do. And when we're walking in the word of God, we have that fellowship with our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. But again, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And yet for us, what does that faith look like in, in a sense in somebody's life? And as Mary pointed out, a couple people, I know for me, um, there was one person in the scripture that actually impressed Jesus by their faith. And it's a guy that the Lord is using in my life and teaching me some radically important lessons uh, lately. And, and, and his, he is, doesn't have a name. He's just called the centurion soldier. He was not even a Jew. Uh, he was a Gentile. This would be like today, uh, someone who's not a believer but acts and conducts himself uh, more like a believer than, let's say, than the pastor does, uh, unfortunately. But the centurion soldier says he had a servant who was sick, who he deeply cared about, was dear to him, and he wanted the servant to be healed. And yet that is all we know about the servant. But tonight, I'm going to take us a little outside the box I actually love Hallmark movies. So, you know, we're going to kind of Hallmark this thing where there was a young centurion soldier, good-looking man, and uh, his parents had a lot of servants. And and one of the servants was this beautiful young little lady, and they fell in love, but they couldn't tell anybody because they had to keep it secret because he couldn't be in love with a servant girl. And then she got, like, deathly ill, and she's sick, and he wants her to get healed. And then he hears about this guy named Jesus, and all he knew was if I could connect Jesus to her she's gonna be healed oh anyways 
Matthew chapter 8, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is at home and, and paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to this one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Listen, Jesus had interactions with a guy by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of the leaders of the Sanhedrin. He was like one of the top dudes, one of the top priests. And yet Jesus said, I have not found such great a faith, not even among the priests, as I found within this guy. I mean, what was it about this centurion that made Jesus say he had great faith? And what are the lessons that we might be taught, not only for our lives, but also for our marriages? Listen, for this centurion soldier, he not only was a man who was in authority, but he was also a man who was under authority. This man knew that as far as doing the physical side of life, he had authority and what the extent of that authority was. Listen, I give an order, it's obeyed. I speak and that's the end of it. This man, you know, he had that kind of authority. Kind of like one of my favorite lines of the man from Snowy River. I actually used it on Sunday morning with a guy who was going here going ballistic that he had to put on a mask and everything like this. But again, it's, it's the foreman. And he gave some orders. And the people, the guys were murmuring, complaining. And all he said was, listen, I don't make the orders, but when I give them, that's it. In fact, this guy, you know, is like, listen, I don't want to debate with you about what is or what isn't right in your mind, because that's all he wanted to do. I said, these are the rules that we are obeying here. Either obey them or or not. But, he, you know, and then, then I actually found out that he'd been here three times and kind of every time he comes kind of was doing this whole thing. But, but again, listen, for the centurion soldier, this guy was a man in authority, in authority, as well as he was a man who understood that he needed to be under authority. Because as far as, you know, in the physical things, he was in authority. But as far as the, the spiritual side of things and the miraculous things, he realized he had no authority, like healing this servant. He had no authority at all. But now he desires to be a man who is under authority to Jesus Christ. And this is where things begin for each and every one of us, especially for us as husbands. Listen, we, each one of us, are in authority. God, by design, has given us authority. But are we like the centurion soldier who was also a man who was under authority? That we're willing to acknowledge that we can't accomplish what is expected, that we need uh, Jesus to help, or I don't know about you, but I need him to completely do whatever these things are needed or that he's asking us to do. And yet, are we willing to surrender to him, to Jesus, for everything that we need and to acknowledge that Jesus is the one 
that has the authority. Again, the scripture says that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus said that. All authority has been given to him. And yet, because the centurion soldier, listen, he understood authority and was willing to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, he experienced the miraculous within his life. He experienced the Lord moving and working in his life as he submitted to the Lord. Listen, are we men? Are we under authority? Again, Jesus said, I've not seen so great a faith. And yet, listen, this man's great faith was based upon his understanding of authority and how authority works, as well as his response to that authority. This man's great faith was based upon his understanding of authority, how authority works, and his response to that authority. Guys, can I be honest and just kind of tell you that I actually used to think that I understood authority and that I responded fairly well to that. But can I tell you that these last few years within my own life, I realized that I really struggle. I struggle with that authority. And again, if I'm struggling here, oftentimes it means I'm struggling here. Between the elections, COVID, wearing masks, I found that my actions and attitudes are not a man under authority to Jesus Christ, but of a man who wants to be in authority. And it's all about me, and it's not about Jesus. It's about getting my way and not walking in the way of God's love. And I have found, you know what, that I'm not the only one that's struggling with this. Listen, um, we have, you know, our daughter's up in Seattle, and she keeps, you know, wanting us to fly up and help out with her, her son, Hugo, which we love to do. And she actually pays for us to fly back and forth. She makes a lot of money. But anyways, but every time we get on a plane... I mean, it is people are murmuring and complaining and they're just knowing. But listen, it's kind of like I even told the guy on Sunday here. I said, listen, you go get on a plane. It, it, they're not going to say, oh, I have these exemptions or I, you know, this or that. Or they, they, they're not buying any of that. They're saying this is our rule. Either you comply or you don't fly. I have a buddy who's a pilot for Alaska. And he said, Pat, these last two years have been miserable. Because every flight, people are just combative and they're just fighting and, and doing all of that. Just like, I don't want to, you know, this whole thing, argh, you know, I have issues with it, you know, whatever. But, but again, it's the authority thing. Listen, interesting enough, a while back, I, I did a, two different funeral services, a back-to-back on, on one day. The first day, it was in L.A. County. L.A. County, what? Master required. And yet there, go to the funeral home, master required. And yet there were some people from church that I knew, and yet they did not want to put their mask on. And they were refusing, and they were just mad dogging the person that was over the funeral home. And this is like, I mean, they were just trying to say, would you please just do this? This is our rules. And yet they were sitting there mad dogging, just looking at them like angry, bitter and stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, what kind of an example is that? Listen, the very next day I do a funeral in Orange County. Orange County, there's, there's no mask requirement. But you know what? Because the boy's mom, the, the boys who were there, her mom, their mom died. His, their mom died. And yet most of the people were from L.A. County. But they come to this funeral, which you don't have to wear a mask. And yet what I saw was because the boys were wearing masks, almost every single person who walked in, out of respect for those guys, put their masks on. And I sat and I said, you know, Lord, what, was it, what would it be that you would do? How would you work in and through this? Men, we have been given 
authority from the Lord. But what are we doing with the authority that God has given to us? All authority was given to Jesus Christ, and yet he took a towel, he washed the disciples' feet, saying to them, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Again, man, with the authority that we have been given, that has been given to us, are we willing to wash our wife's feet? All authority was given to Jesus Christ, yet he laid down his life for us. Man, with the authority that we have been given, are we willing to lay down our lives for our wives? Each one of us men have a God-given authority, and yet what are we doing with that authority that God has given to us? Are we men in authority as well as men who are under authority? Are we husbands who are under authority of Jesus Christ? That we are submitted to Jesus Christ, willing to do the things that he's asking us to do. Again, man, this is where it begins. This is where it starts. This guy's faith, Jesus said, was great because he understood authority, where it comes from, and how to respond to it. But again, this faith is, is, is not the end. It's just the beginning. And that it would be said of each and every one of us, men, great is your faith because we understand authority. We understand how it works. And that our response to that authority is honoring to God as well as honoring to our wives. This is where it begins. This is where it starts. Are we submitted to him? Are we honoring him? Yes, we are men that God-given authority within our lives. But are we most importantly under his authority? That's what he desires. That's what he wants. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And as we start here in this series, Lord, um, again, it starts with faith. And this is that saving faith that we have trusted you as Lord and Savior, and as Mary shared, Lord, that, I, I don't want to assume that just because we're here, that every one of us has yielded our heart and life to you, and, and we are walking in that faith. We have experienced you washing us and cleansing us and of, of all our sin, and because we've confessed you. And, and maybe if you're sitting here today and you've never opened your heart or confessed, your need of Jesus Christ within your heart and life. Again, it is simply a prayer away. It's by asking him to come into your life, to do what his word says, that he would wash us and cleanse us of all sin, that he would fill us with his Holy Spirit and, 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 and show us and give us that life that he's promised us within his word. And if we're willing to do that and to confess the Bible says you will be saved. You are saved. And Lord, I pray and ask that each one of us knows that salvation gift that you have given to us. And yet, Lord, as Peter would encourage us now to, to, to have that precious faith uh, and yet now to believe the precious promises, God, that we would be partakers and be turned more and more into our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, mold us 
shape us, do that work within our hearts and lives that only you can. And again, Lord, you see where we're at. You see where we're at within our marriages. You know what we have need of. Lord, some of us sitting here today, we need a physical touch from you. We need that miraculous touch. And maybe others can't do that. The doctors aren't fixing it. We need you supernaturally to come and to reach down from heaven and do that miraculous work like that centurion soldier needed. And God, we know that if you speak the word, God, you can do that. So please have your way. Lord, some of us, maybe we not, don't need the, phys, the, the physical healing, but maybe we need financial touch from you. We need financial help. Lord, we look to you as the one who can financially, you say you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And Lord, maybe some of us need you to know, sell off some of those cows and pass the money on, Lord, or whatever that would look like. We look to you and say, please help us to look to you and trust you. Not, not trust man, not trust a bank account, uh, not trust that, but to trust you, that you will walk us through, you will get us through. And Lord, some of us maybe are sitting here, we just need to know that we have been forgiven. And whether it's our spouse or whether it's you, Lord. And we thank you because you always give us that promise that you are ready and wanting to wash us, cleanse us, forgive us of all unrighteousness. And yet, Lord, maybe we need to do business with you tonight and just asking amongst each other for areas of falling short or faltering that you would forgive us one with another and you would do that work within our hearts and our lives. So, Lord, would you please meet us right where we're at? Touch us, minister as only you can. And we do thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people agree by saying amen, amen. amen.